Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me, as always, from across the pond, is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how is it going today? Jolly good, my transatlantic brother. Uh, very good. Yeah, not too bad. Uh, another week of fun movie news. Uh, looking forward to talking about tonight's film. But yeah, that aside, I, I'm doing all right. Keeping well over here in Blighty. England is treating me well. Um, work is treating me well. The weather's mm. treating me well. And uh, the diet is kind of treating me well. So I <laughs> can't complain. However, you know what I'm going to ask. How are you keeping Florida safe and well? Uh, you know, trying, trying. Uh, it, it is raining, or I think the rain may have just started to stop. It, it kind of came out of nowhere. <laughs> um, it was a fun moment because I, I just, I was like, oh, I think it's going to rain. I'm going to try to walk the dogs real fast, and I like opened my front door, <laughs> and I could see the rain <laughs> coming to the house. I'm like, whoop, didn't make it. Uh, so <laughs> maybe later. Um, yeah, well, my dogs don't uh, don't like the rain at all. Like one of them really gets like hyperventilating when it starts storming. So he's he's running Poor around dude. hyperventilating, yeah, and then the other one just hides. She's she's curled up in here, but she'll probably bark at some point during this podcast because if anybody moves in a way she doesn't approve of, she just loses it. So uh, listeners have probably heard her bark in the past, but um, but yeah, you can have you know, guests on at least say your dogs exactly. Uh, but we are um, here this week uh, to talk about getting older, folks. Um, <laughs> With every day, we get a little older, a little closer to death. No, that's too dark. But we are talking about M. Night oh, Shyamalan's damn. film Old, uh, which just dropped uh, a week ago. And some people are saying exactly that, that watching it will make you feel older and you're going to hate yourself. <laughs> and others are saying this movie's great and it's quirky and it's weird. Um, it's directed by the old M. Night Shyamalan, written by him, but adapted on a, uh, a, adapted from a graphic novel called Sandcastle. I believe it's yep. Sandcastle uh, by Pierre Oscar Levy and or Frederick Peters. Um, I guess yep. they both wrote um, stars. We got some big stars in this movie. Mm-hmm. Gail Garcia Bernal, Vicky Kreps, uh, who I didn't recognize for a minute, but most known for Phantom Thread. Yeah. Uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, Alex Wolf, Thomasin McKenzie, who's just blowing up every time she does anything. Uh, mm-hmm. Abby Lee, Nikki Amuka Bird, Ken Long and Eliza, uh, Eliza, excuse me, Eliza Scanlon. Um, and there's a couple other people that show up in the movie, but that's the, the bulk of the cast because it is um, a very isolated group of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that the letterbox synopsis, I, I've opted to go letterbox because IMDb synopsis Ooh. is trash. Uh, a family on a tropical holiday discovers <laughs> that the secluded beach where they are staying is somehow causing them to age rapidly, reducing their entire lives into a single day, which is not, not quite idea. accurate. Yeah. This movie is uh, divisive, as Matt will uh, say, that M. Night Shyamalan's movies tend to be. It is a 51% Rotten Tomato, 54 Metascore, and a 6.0 IMDb user score. I'm actually a little surprised that the user score is higher, um, as I will kind of feel like this movie isn't... I don't feel like it gives like a general audience anything to really... like latch into like it's not an action movie or something mm-hmm. you know what i mean usually that's where it's a comedy or an action movie um you'll get that kind of positive bump from the r- non-critics and then the critics will often hate on it unless it's a high caliber yep uh and this movie is only available right now to watch in theaters it is not streaming on any services that i am aware of uh not that i know of it's theaters only over here 
And uh, but Matt and I ventured out safely, masks on, and yep. uh, vaccinations in place to uh, see this. And um, I'll go first as the uh, rotation tends to go. Um, I am an M Night Shyamalan fan. Uh, I believe we we covered Glass. I think on this podcast. Yes, we did. We've been doing this for a good few years now, my friend. Yeah, um, I'm I'm a big fan of that entire trilogy. I specifically love Unbreakable. That is my favorite Shyamalan movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it is arguably one of the best superhero films uh, to date. Um, but uh, you know, I like Sixth Sense. I, I I like the village. I like it a little less now than when I initially saw it. But that was where a lot of people turned on Shyamalan. They yeah. didn't like the twist in that one. Um, and then he's done some bad movies. Uh, the Happening is trash. I, I don't think there's any other way to, to argue that film. It's it's bad in so many ways. Uh, Wahlberg is cast incorrectly <laughs> in that movie. Um, Last Airbender. How about that? The Last Airbender, which. Um, I'm a huge fan of Avatar The Last Airbender, and uh, I was at the time, and I tried to defend that movie at the time, because I Don't really know. wanted to love it, um, but uh, I didn't like a lot of the criticisms that, I feel like there's a lot you can criticize about that movie, and the one I kept hearing was just the pronunciation of the names, which is probably the one thing I think he was trying to be authentic to the culture, of course, that argument's hard to make when he cast white people in, in roles that should have yeah. been Asian uh, uh, actors or something in suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, but nevertheless, uh, definitely not one of his highlights. No, he, but he, had, we, a, he we, had a, he had a stretch in the lady in the water, the happening, the last airbender God. and after earth where it was thinking, well, Ugh. you know, has, has he, has he really peaked and that, this is it now for Shyamalan. And then he vanished after after earth for a little bit. And we got the, yeah. uh, the visit, which mm-hmm. was kind of like a quiet, no one knew it was M night Shyamalan. Yep. Um, or at least they weren't really pushing it like an M Night Shyamalan movie. Uh, Split was the big kind of curveball where he really, I think, I think we saw a resurgence in his fandom and like people yeah. were like, "Hey, maybe he's back." Um, and and then Glass. Glass was divisive. I like Glass. I don't think it's perfect, but I, I enjoy it. Um, with Old, uh, I'm kind of in that same that same window. I don't think it's perfect at all. Um, I think there's a lot happening that I don't know if he knows why he made those decisions um mm-hmm. which so a lot of this uh just listeners this is spoiler free we will have a special mini episode dropping on monday uh with spoilers so if you want to hear all of our thoughts that's where you want to kind of come in you can listen safely here we won't discuss anything mm-hmm. um yep but i um i think there's a lot where he he makes some choices like with character dialogue they are speaking uh in ways that don't feel like he's ever heard other people speak before um (laughs) and with like if you look at the movie that i kept referring to is the lobster right yoris lanthimos intentionally has his characters speaking in ways that don't feel normal but it's part of the world that those characters live in and it pays off the the some one it pays off for humor because some of the lines if they were said in a a more emphatic way would lose some of the, the humor and the, the dry sarcasm that comes across when you are doing it sincerely, yeah. um, where this doesn't seem to really hold a purpose. Um, I, the one char- character that I really think stood out initially was Ken Lung's character. Uh, Jaren, I believe is yeah. how it's said. Uh, Jaren, and he, yeah. like, he, he says his name oddly to people. My name is Jaren. And then seconds later <laughs> repeats that sentiment uh, to the same person as though, and it wasn't like, it wasn't a moment where 
it warranted it. It wasn't like the guy wasn't listening or even it's the delivery of the line. And Ken Young is a really good actor. I mean, he's not yeah. the best actor, but he's a good, solid performer. I was a big fan of Lost. Uh, you know, the dude can work. And the, the line read there felt like, wow, if this were somebody I've never seen before, I would just assume it was someone who doesn't have any talent, but I know he can act. <laughs> And I think that's only reinforced with like Gail Garcia Bernal, who is a tremendously talented actor. Yeah. And yet is randomly his character spouts statistics that even a person in his field would probably not know by memory, right? Like he's just anytime anything's happening, 49% of people die from table, you know, coffee table incidents. And you're like, yeah, come well, on. Even dude. if that's true, like, why would you know that by heart? Like where you can <laughs> spout it off. Um, and it's just, it, those things don't seem to really pay off anywhere. It just seems like more of like Shyamalan's like, these characters are a little odd. It's like, okay, but why? Like, what is it <laughs> about? Like, what's the decision there? And I think that's kind of the case with other things. There's a, a, the big thing I won't talk about directly, but we'll say this movie broaches a lot of themes. And while it, it brings them up, it doesn't feel like Shyamalan has any real commentary on those things. Just like, Hey, this is the thing. And you're like, yes, it is. And, and he's what like, no, that's it. Yeah. I just, like, ah, just wanted to bring it up. It's like, yeah, but, but why? But no, that's a twist. You've got to make it. you got to make your own yeah. mind up <laughs> and where, where you watch, you know, a lot like, and Shyamalan's a very talented director in general, yeah. but the one thing that I feel consistently, he's always been a really strong visual filmmaker. Mm hmm. And I don't feel like that with old. Um, there's some really questionable camera choices in this movie. Uh, I don't know if some of it was budget or because of like, there's char some characters age faster or maybe not faster, more noticeably than others because they are young mm -hmm. children. And those, when they age are much more noticeable than like a, a, a wrinkle here or gray hair there on one of the adult actors, less noticeable until it really hits. Right. Yeah. But there are moments where he lingers like he doesn't want to show us the change yet. And that could be a practical issue where maybe they didn't have the, the actors on set that day or something like that. But it just feels like the camera lingers in odd and unpurposeful ways, which is not something I, I can remember feeling with his other films where camera choices felt bad or, or um, dysfunctional even to the, the flow of the story. And that's not something I, I remember ever thinking in relation to him. I've always thought, you know, his, some of his scripts are a little wonky or his, mm -hmm. you know, he, he really fell into the trap of, I am the twist director. Like he, yep. at, for, for a moment, it seemed like he was pushing against it. Now he seems like he's fully embraced it. Like, nope, this is what I do. I make, I put twists in movies and, um, and again, it's, it, it, those things made the movie though, even it made it made it feel stupid at times. It made it feel poorly written at times. It also is part of the reason why it was so engaging. Um, I was laughing at the movie more often than I think I was supposed <laughs> to be. Um, and that's oh, the no. thing. <laughs> but at the end, I was I was engrossed, and I was like I I enjoyed the the viewing. I didn't dislike it. Um, yeah despite having kind of like some criticisms and there's some definite lines of dialogue where I was like, what? And, <laughs> um, but I found the ideas that he isn't directly grappling with, but he brings up 
interesting enough that I, I took something away from the film where I, I just wish it was a little more like, I kind of, I think maybe he just doesn't have a lot to say and now doesn't know what to do with that. You know, he's like, yeah, these things happen. I don't really have opinions on them. It's like, well, yeah, but if you're going to make art, generally you want some kind of an opinion because that's <laughs> how you, you, you don't hedge your bets and just like bring stuff up. Um, or at least, even if you do that, and there are definitely filmmakers who maybe don't give you a clear answer of where they stand, they they make it still feel like you're you're struggling with. And I think you interpret one way or the other. You kind of make a decision, and I don't I don't feel like this movie does that. Like I don't feel like at the end I, I've got a clear opinion of which side I think is the correct side or why this is wrong or whatever. And it just felt a, a little a little more hollow than I would have liked for something that it tackles okay. I, again we're I'm, I'm skipping around a lot of spoiler talk here listeners so apologies for my ambiguity here doing but, it very well as well uh, um but it, it is challenging because Shyamalan's you know it's just there but I I mostly enjoyed watching this so I I'm still on the positive side of the the like the RT but I definitely think this is it's a media it's a mediocre movie it's not a masterpiece it's got some cool ideas some cool stuff um some things that are just on the nose and some things that are just not dove into quite enough i'd love to hear matt what did you think of old um i uh, unlike yourself who was a fan of glass or glass i um i wasn't really it didn't it didn't hit me the way i hoped it was going to coming off of the the very good split uh and of course in terms of trilogy the very good un- uh, unbreakable but um so and i mentioned up top that and i mentioned off there as well that those critic scores didn't and fa- and uh, user scores didn't surprise me in the least because it seems that you either give uh, M Night Shyamalan films a thumbs up or a thumbs down. You, you, you literally you like them or you don't. Fifty percent RT, fifty four meta. I mean, even a six and IMDb. The user score on on Rotten Tomatoes fifty two percent. It's straight down the middle. He's a divisive director and uh, one that I don't believe is um, thankfully, and I can't remember to say this in twenty twenty one doesn't get vitriol spewed to him. He is just seen as a bit of a punching bag, like, oh, M. Night Shyamalan, oh, he did he did that, that slew of rubbish films, and now that's what we're going to tar him with, and the fact that he only does twists. But that in itself is a spoiler, because not for this film, for any M. Night film, because like you said, JB, he is the twist man. You go into his film for the twist, you know, and regardless of the quality of the film, you know you're going to get a twist. Old... Um, you may or may not get those twists. I'm not going to divulge those here. But I went in again open-minded. I really like the premise of this. I thought the premise was great. I thought the trailers were pretty good. Um, and I I had a good time with this film. Like you, I don't think it's perfect. I don't think it, it's a flawed film. But I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was going to uh, for quite a few reasons. But um, the dialogue wasn't one of them. I'll get that out of the way now. At times, the dialogue also just felt very simplistic and like... Um, a bit like um, Shyamalan was spoon feeding the audience, you know, the, the same ones who say this is a bit too uh, convoluted and messy. I don't understand it. This time he thought, well, I kind of tell you what's going on. I'll have, like you said, characters say things which seem so stilted and awkward, just so the audience can kind of play along with what's going on, or at least feel like they're keeping pace. That wasn't particularly great, but um, for the most part, though. I, I really enjoyed it. I think this is well acted. I think, like you mentioned, yeah. um, everybody, the main cast, like Gail Garcia Bernal is excellent. Vicky Cripps is great. I think Alex Wolf is the is the uh, standout here. 
uh, alongside um, Thomasin McKenzie. Yeah, I think Thomasin's the same. I wouldn't let you down there, but I genuinely do believe that as well. I think those two together. Eliza Scanlon, she's my MVP in most films because she is talent. Um, And I've said it to much chagrin that Little Women film that came out a few years ago, she was the best part of it. And I love Florence Pugh, but Eliza Scanlon for me was the best part of that film. Uh, And obviously Baby Teeth and others. So... Acting-wise, no issues with that. Dialogue was a bit naff. The visuals, I agree with you as well. Uh, they were done by a, na- a native of Florida, uh, Mike Gelakis, and it was it was very it was very disorientating. I don't know. I'm guessing that was also a purposeful choice, but some of like the angles that were uh, that were utilised and the techniques, I think they were going through a kind of throwback feel or, uh, or a classic feel of um, thriller mystery thrillers from back in the day, but. It didn't really look very. Some, some, some of it looked good. You know, some of this film looked great. Like, I mean, obviously the wide shots of the beach, stunning. The Dominican Republic it was filmed in. It'd be very hard to make that look bad. But yeah, some of the um, choices or decisions used technically weren't weren't the best. However, in terms of the story, I think the story is fascinating. You know, the idea that time is transient. It, it stops for nobody. Uh, however, when you're on a beach which uh, has sped up time. Uh, to an impossible rate. You know, the overall message is fairly rudimentary. Again, spoiler episode if you want to hear more about that, but fairly rudimentary, fairly basic top-level message or theme of what the film's about, um, which, doesn't again, doesn't really get dove into. Um, but like you say, it, when these messages are out there, you do kind of want a bit more meat on the bone. Art is yeah, generally your form of expression or an outlet for you to give those opinions, um, so it does kind of baffle me sometimes when you do get handed something and then the and then the screenwriters and directors just run away. <laughs> you can deal with that. Um, yeah, there were some uh, there were some uh, very good moments of tension in this. There's some really good sequences of uh, horror sequences in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sound design was off the charts at certain points. I thought as well. Uh, certainly in my screening, the cinema the sound design was fabulous. Um, there's some moments in there which were fairly shocking but at the same time it's a it's a 12a slash pg-13 they could have gone harder if they wanted to to get a 15 slash r rating i don't think they wanted to do that they've pulled back a little bit so um certain scenes maybe lost a little bit of their weight because of you know clever cutaways or things like that however the sound design more than made up for that because that that the sound didn't let you get away from what was happening um the uh again we i won't talk about the ending what i will say is uh i do think the ending i wasn't a massive fan of the final sequences of the film um they didn't really work for me i much preferred everything else that was happening on in this resort on this beach than um anything else that came afterwards but i i went in expecting this to be middling middle of the road a 50 percent film but um no, I thought this was pretty good. I'd say some really good sequences, some great moments of tension, some great moments of horror, great sound design, very well acted. Dialogue and some of the cinematography were left to be desired. But that aside, though, uh, for me, coming off of Glass, which I wasn't a big fan of, but the audience was, uh, I thought Old was uh, really quite good. And I'm just looking at the audience scores for all of his films. Most of them are 50% and below. So this is what I mean. He's the audience don't always seem to gravitate towards his films. Um, it's one, one does one doesn't. And 
what I will say about Shyamalan is, and I think a lot of people are saying this as well, so it's not a hot take from me, but I would rather have a director like M. Night who tries something new, who has a swing, who tries something. I, I know it's based upon an existing work, but for original for the most part and miss, then just give us, you know, happy death day, sorry, or all those other kind of things where it's stuff you've seen before, but they've just tried to put this funky new spin on it. Give me things which are a bit more challenging. This could have gone deeper. This could have been more challenging old. It could have had more weight, more depth to it. He didn't go that far with it. Uh, again, is that because he's aware of the perception of him? Uh, if so, that's very sad. Uh, and I don't mean that in a pathetic way. That is, you know, it's a shame if he is kind of more worried about the reception um, but I'd rather have a director who's willing to take the risks than one who isn't. And uh, my final point on Shyamalan is my buddy Ant from NPM summed it up fairly well. He said, how well would this film have been uh, reviewed or received if it said on the poster from the mind of Jordan Peele? Suddenly, suddenly yeah. I think people look at this and think, this is really clever, really, really deep. You know, the way he's woven in these different themes and that. So I think there's also that that goes along with it. So sometimes a director can be a, can, also, can also be a bit of a taboo subject for their own film but sure. i had a good time with this film i didn't dislike it whatsoever uh i would happily recommend people go out and you know go in with an open mind and if you can get over the dialogue i think you'll have a good time with it i mean the dialogue's a heavy part of the movie because it is a <laughs> heavy i'm topic. trying john i'm trying um, I do. I do like the. Again, I, I'm also more positive than negative on this. Um, yes, I agree completely with. I, I want filmmakers to get opportunities to to fail. I think there's because there's so much money um, invested in these things that they they have this. It's gotten to the point where studios won't invest unless they think it's a sure thing. Which how many times have yeah. they been wrong, mind you? But nevertheless, that's when they'll give money, and so. Um, for Shyamalan, for the visit, um, Split, and I think Glass, he funded almost entirely himself. Yes, um, I've heard that. And like risked everything to make the movies. And I don't know if that's the case for this. I don't think so. But that's that shouldn't have to happen. And it's nope. a shame. Um, I, I really do wish we'd get more original scripts, even if they're not always going to be perfect, because that's where we've got a lot of our, our masterpieces throughout history. Like uh, a movie I'm going to talk about in a little bit, my dinner with Andre. Mm -hmm. If you pitch that movie today to a studio, they're not going to fund that. And that's, that's a shame because that movie is considered to be a masterpiece, you know? And it's, it's really just two guys talking, but their conversations are so deep and they're so interesting. And even like, you might think, Oh, well, there's not a lot of, cinematic work because it's just two guys sitting at a table but there's camera placement there's a, a, a strategically placed mirror in the set design that you know you have to now avoid with the camera and like things like that mm -hmm. that we don't we take for granted because the simplicity of what the story is yet so much goes into it that it is a master class of filmmaking yeah i would love to see more things like old uh getting the opportunity to be made. And sometimes they're going to land really, really well. Like I think split, if you had pitched split, I think a lot of people would have been like, no way. Mm -hmm. And then to backdoor that into a trilogy that like most people had no clue going into split, that that's what we were getting um, was brilliant. And then he gets this opportunity to do old. It may not work on every level, but it's still doing things. It's not like, it's just 
paint by numbers, you know, trash. And I, I do think there's room for uh, new interpretations of the same story. Cause I, I think uh, if you look at guitar, for example, there's only so many chords on a guitar, Ooh, yeah. but how many songs exist and people aren't saying stop writing songs because it sounds like that. And yes, there mm-hmm. are those people who will nitpick a riff that that riff sounds like this. It's like, yeah, yeah. There's only so many things you can do. Eventually you're going to start to reuse stuff. It is also true for stories. You know, there is, I, I'm sure I've said it on this podcast a billion times, but there is a theory out there in the world that every story has already been told. The only thing yep. that changes are the characters and the settings. Whether or not that is accurate. If I watch a movie um, and I've never seen anything like it before, it's going to feel like the first version of it, right? Like it's why so many people love Joker because yep. they never saw a taxi driver. And so to them, it's this amazing <laughs> revolutionary style story. It's like, man, for other people, it's like, no, no, this is a ripoff of two other stories, and uh, both are from a better director. And so, you know, uh, but the opportunity with Old here is to, uh, to to see a filmmaker flex their 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 writing skills, their directing skills, and uh, for some of the actors, their skills. Like, this is a, the movie asked them to do things that they maybe wouldn't have done this way, you know, because yeah. Shyamalan's got this particular vision in mind. So I, I hope uh, this does well enough to warrant more oddities in, in cinema. <laughs> well, A24 is doing a film about a lamb-child mix, so I think we're in good hands for the most part, my friend. But um, yeah, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that you were um, on the up about this film as well, as just as I was, because I was wondering, are we are, are the BAMP boys, are we going to be one thumbs up, one thumbs down? However, everything I've just said about 50% has just been um, absolutely thrown out the window by this podcast of which I am part of. So, uh, but no, I, I, um, I would recommend this film. So, uh, yeah, go check it out. Go support weird films. And that leads us to our next, uh, segment chuffed headlines. These are movie and pop culture news that caught our attention. Matt, what do you want to talk about this week? <laughs> I've got two to talk about this week. Uh, the first one is just piggybacking off of, um, what I mentioned a week, two weeks ago now, where, we got the confirmation of David Gordon Green is yes. uh, rebooting slash sequeling The Exorcist. And we've now found out today, or from this week, sorry, of recording, that in fact Warner, Morgan Creek, uh, Blumhouse, whatever, are uh, making a £400 million Exorcist trilogy. Um, Leslie Odom Jr. and is going to star as a, as a priest, or as, as, a, as a father of a possessed child. Uh, and Ellen Burstyn is coming back. Uh, Chris McNeil's coming back for this. I assumed as for this first film. Um, so they really are going to tie in in that in that way. Linda Blair put out a statement to say that you know as of now she hasn't been asked to come back. So you know that's that. Though, let's nip that in the bud right now. But you know I wish everybody all the best and all, uh, with this project. So which is good to see. Um, so they're not just going to ramp ahead with one film. It's potentially a trilogy. The first film going to uh, being released cinematically. And the se- the second and third installation potentially being Peacock movies or going straight oh, to Peacock. So I get so I don't know if that's concurrently with theatres or if they're being produced just for Peacock. But um, the good news for that is in the United Kingdom, I know that um, Comcast and the, and Paramount and everyone behind Peacock are getting behind uh, uh, are getting behind. I think Sky as well are joining in, so we should hopefully have Peacock over here 
before this drops, which would be quite handy. So I'll actually be able to watch it. But um, so basically, that was it. The news that they're gonna that they're already kind of committing. They have said though that films two and three do depend on how the first film of this trilogy does. However, um, just on that one, then it's gone from being one film JB to a potential trilogy. Uh, any thoughts on that? Um, I'm always apprehensive when they commit to multiple movies, just because are you committing to multiple movies because you have such an intense story that it Mm -hmm. takes three movies or are you just looking for like, you know, financial gain? Um, and maybe the stories will not hold up over three films. And while I'm intrigued by this potential theatrical to Peacock in history before streaming services were a thing, of course, uh, mm-hmm. We had what was called straight to uh, VHS yes. releases, and those almost always suck. Um, Bargain bin uh, releases, and we've had that with DVDs and Blu-rays as well. And uh, that's currently where you will find Bruce Willis making his living. Jesus, um, and now it's straight to VOD. Uh, but I don't know. Um, I I'm hopeful. Uh, I, Leslie Odom Jr. Um, I'm excited. I, I I'm curious if he'll be in the room where it happened. Um, yeah, Hamilton joke, everybody. Uh, <laughs> that went over my head. I'll give you that. Okay, uh, I was hoping that people would catch it, but uh, never mind. But um, yeah, you know, I I I was up on it when you first brought it to my attention because of, yeah. of again, I'm, I like the Halloween uh, reboot um, sequel, if you will, and I'm excited yeah. for your Halloween Kills. Like, it looks really interesting. Um, of course, we don't know if, if how that one pays off, but you know, obviously, they seem to be excited about it that they're giving him another big franchise to to run. Yeah. So, see what happens. Well, as I finish my uh, most British of tea, well, this is British tea if you can call it that. Uh, the other news, though, oh, <laughs> this is a good, this is a good one. Um, this is this literally did drop on the day of recording. Uh, something that John and myself have been very excited about to whisk us back to being little lads again, playing with the toys. The trailer, the latest and probably last trailer for Ghostbusters Afterlife, dropped today. Two and a half minutes of pure goodness. Um, I really liked this trailer. It was a little bit more somber than I thought it was going to be in tone. Um, for the most part, I, I believe they're going to be, I don't believe that's going to be the tone of the film overall. Um, yeah, but we got to see a little bit more this time. Again, I'm not going to go into the uh, deep dive of the trailer in case people are going in wanting to be non-spoilt, but we, we get to see more of Finn Wolfhart's character and I believe he's called Phoebe, Egon Spengler's granddaughter. Um, we get some characters coming back. We get a great moment at the end. Um, I've seen a few other people say this, but I felt this when I watched it. The music is pure Force Awakens light, which is great. Um, and the visual, visually it looks good. And God damn, JB, November the 12th can't come soon enough because... As soon as I, I've been, this is my most anticipated film of the year, simply because of those feels it's going to give me. I remember playing with these toys. I had the Ecto One. Mm. I had the fire engine with the goop that came down. The, all the toys used to watch uh, the real Ghostbusters animated series. It was yep. this Turtles and Transformers was my jam as a kid. And the, the fact that we're getting the old guard back for one last hurrah, plus. Um, Harold Ramis and Egon Spengler are such a such an integral part of the story, so he will be there too. It's you know it's it, it's going to be something else. I mean, I I can't imagine coming out being disappointed. I just hope the film's good. I will settle for good 
for this film. As long as it's good, I'll be more than happy. But the trailers and from what I've what I'm seeing so far is I'm excited and I'm happy and I just want November to come along now. So as a fellow yeah. Ghostbuster, uh, did this answer the call for you? Uh, I'm super pumped. You know, I am a big Paul Rudd fan as well. Um, so <laughs> yeah. I love his involvement with this, uh, this trailer, which again, I'll follow your, your lead here and not give any details, but there was stuff in the trailer that really got me super excited, particularly the end of the new trailer. Cool. Um, <laughs> I am, I am, you know, Ghostbusters was the first film I saw in theaters. I was two years old. Um, I, my mom and, and dad took me grocery shopping afterwards and then we were just walking around the store and they would say, who are you going to call? And a little me would be like, Ghostbusters. Like I've <laughs> been a fan of Ghostbusters for most of my life. And, uh, I, I am, I will defend the second one. I don't think it's perfect, but I enjoy, I'm glad it exists. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't love answer the call. Uh, but I, I thought Chris Hemsworth was hilarious. Um, but I also, the real Ghostbusters, I, I watched as a kid. I had tons of, of toys and figures and even recently bought, uh, the, the re they've re-released the original line of toys. And I bought, uh, the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man figure and Slimer, um, currently hanging on my wall. And oh, I saw uh, those on your story. Yeah. And you know, so I, I'm very, very excited about this, uh, my friend uh, and editor at Burke Reviews, David, um, we were both huge Ghostbuster fans, and he encouraged me. Uh, I, I've been sleeping on playing the Ghostbusters video game, so I um, I bought it today. It's on sale uh, as of recording on the PlayStation uh, Store for PS4, the Ghostbusters, the video game remastered, because um, it was originally, I think, on 360 and PS3, yep. but they, they remastered right. it, and... Uh, I'm playing through it. Um, I got, I probably played about two hours or so and it's man. Um, it's not perfect, but it's definitely for Ghostbuster fans. There's a lot of lore stuff. It, it is uh, based on and or credited to Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd for the story. Um, and, but it's, it's definitely worth checking out again for Ghostbuster fans. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped. Can't wait for the new movie. Yep. I said, I said to John in a WhatsApp message, I really hope that the film uh, references the game because it's written by uh, Ackroyd and Ramis based on their treatment for Ghostbusters 3 which at the time I think it's like late 2000s this game came out it hadn't been made so this was for the longest time that game was Ghostbusters 3 that was it you know the, all the cast came back to do their voices so I really hope there's a little nod or a reference to something that happens just to kind of you know me I love canon canonize it and just just legitimize it Um, but yes The Exorcist is getting a trilogy apparently the Ghostbusters trailer hit the spot. So that is my feel good headline of the week, my friend. Uh, what about yourself? So I went with a, another trailer drop from this week. Cause I, can, I honestly can't believe it exists uh, already. <laughs> uh, I mean, like just the time, the turnaround, um, what we got army of the dead in March, right? Or uh, April. Yep. And we got, um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, we got the, the, tra- the prequel film called army of thieves uh, trailer dropped this week. And I'm just like, how were they making it before they dropped army of the dead that we've already got enough stuff to cut a trailer. Cause we still haven't got the Spider-Man uh, no way home trailer. <laughs> and here, here is this. And I'm just like, okay, I guess. Um, have you seen this trailer yet, Matt? Uh, yes, I have seen this trailer. Yes. So I, I usually don't even bother to watch trailers unless it's in front of a, a movie at the theater. But I was just in, I was just like, how? How do they have a trailer? This isn't like a teaser trailer. It's not like it's just a logo and a safe closing. 
and his army of thieves. No, it's a full trailer. Like there's a movie <laughs> apparently. Yeah. Um, and what a weird prequel because it's it's an origin story for the safecracker from Army of the Dead is the way I understand. Beta. Um, yeah, I, dude. Does anyone remember names of that the characters in that movie? I don't. <laughs> I barely <laughs> I remember the Google movie. it in the background. Uh, okay. Um. But if you were a big fan, or if you're a Snyder fan, I guess I'm assuming Snyder's directing this, right? Like it is. Uh, no, it's uh, Dieter no. Ma- Matthias, Matthias Schweikhofer, who played the safecracker, is is directing this, I believe. Well, this is all shenanigans. I don't understand what's happening. But, but obviously, if you Snyder's are, fully behind it, of course, isn't he? Of course, yeah. Um, there, we'll get a Snyder cut of Army of Thieves later. Mm. Uh, anywho, um, I, I am. Okay, cool. You know, I guess it's it's somewhat zombies. There's still zombies there because it's like them going around and cracking saves in in England. Uh, when it first happens, that I, you know, whatever. I guess it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be fine. It's gonna be better than Kissing Booth two probably, or Kissing Booth three even, which comes out in a month. Dude, if it's not, then I think Snyder needs to hand his his film card in if he can't beat those. But yeah, it's. You know, it it looks fairly to me. It looked fairly generic. Uh, yeah. I didn't mind Army of the Dead. I thought it was pretty good for uh, pretty fun. Yeah. Sorry for a lot of the time, but this looks more like a straight up kind of you know generic heist film. Uh, it has it's directed by Schreiker, but it looks more like a Snyder Snyder film. Sorry, Schneider Snyder film than Army of the Dead did. It's got a very kind of washed out look for a lot of it it's got you know uh, natalie emmanuel's in it which is always a good thing i think she's a great actress but mm-hmm. i mean great we're getting this prequel so yeah so we get to see how dita became a safe cracker which is uh the one thing i really wanted coming out of army of the dead so yes yes, yes. I, i'm, I'm trying it. to sound enthusiastic yeah we're all like oh how did he get his superpowers oh wait no. he's not a superhero <laughs> Um. Yeah, it, uh, I did like him is. in that film, though. I thought he was one of the best parts. Um, it, yeah, yeah. No, agreed. Um, it is, it's just one of those things where it's like we were just talking about with old. Basically, it's like do this movie got greenlit so fast? Like other, there's so many filmmakers who have these great ideas that are you know unique, original, and aren't just building a franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just I hate like, and I'm not even one of those critics who are anti-franchises like I, i'm right. cool with franchises i just don't think that it needs to only be franchises like everything doesn't need to have sequels and prequels like sometimes a self-contained story is all that's necessary that's with the exception of m Knight's trilogy it's one of the things i've enjoyed about a lot of his movies is that you can just like one of them you don't have to you know and tarantino and and you know are you can make an argument for edgar wright's movies are they're connected but they're not inherent like the actors are the same actors and they're playing individually different characters right and there's nothing wrong with that like it's actually one of the things that really i've heard rumor of a baby driver too and i am so against that i'm just like Mm -hmm. let it be it was perfect i'm content with it how it is like i don't need to know what happens next like i would rather be left to to grapple with that decision myself than them to try to assume one because a lot of times that's just more rewarding. Um, I always, to me, like the best example is like when you see a creature in a horror movie that, especially a creature that was kept out of sight for a long, long time. 
and you keep getting like you have you've built up this image in your head of what it's going to look like and then it shows up on screen and it's disappointing it just doesn't live up to the hype that had been put forth that's the worst that, that can kill a, an otherwise good movie because you get to the creature and you're like oh that's lame sometimes not seeing or not knowing is just better and I don't know if we need a prequel to find out why he became a safe cracker. Like he was a safe cracker. That's all I needed. He, he fulfilled the yep. role in the movie. Okay. Like, but maybe it's fun. That's the thing. It might be really great. It might be super enjoyable, Hopefully. but sometimes origin films and that's, that's foreshadowing. We don't need, we, you know, like we don't, Man. I, um, I went through a phase of just hating the word origin story. It seemed to be the, um, the buzzword every film was an origin story the origins of I thought that's to the point where i just disliked that word i didn't want to say it anymore the o word um you're right oh. what do we maybe yeah hey look if you want to give us back more backstory on the actual zombocalypse the zombie apocalypse the kind of what we saw at the beginning of army of the dead fine slightly pointless because again the fact that we got dropped into it worked for me if you want to do a prequel just show us that just for an excuse to go wild with action and zombies and that but like individual like character prequels for a film which wasn't exactly uh brimming with character development it's very odd but i i totally agree i'm i'm 101 percent on board with your point about franchises. Why can't we just have standalone films anymore? However, my only, my only counter to that is if we're going to do that, you're fine. Have them go on, have them be on streaming. You know, don't, don't take up my screens at the cinema with these unnecessary, uh, franchises, which don't need to be franchises. You know, streaming is great for giving, uh, up and coming directors, uh, a chance for giving visionaries, a chance for giving Scorsese 600 million to do his films and for doing franchises for Snyder. Fine. That's good. As long as they don't start infiltrating, as, as long as we don't start getting army of the dead all over the theaters. I know that sounds almost elitist, but, um, which I am not, but I'm with you on that simply because th- th- this isn't a film, which is going to cause a rush at the box office. Anyway, it, it belongs on streaming. So, uh, if they're going to do this, a franchise for a, f- uh, a film like this, then, do it, but just keep it on, keep it on streaming for those. So those who really, really want to see it can do. Um, other than that, not really much else to say other than it looks perfectly Netflixy. Yeah, it sure, sure does. Um, with that, let's move to our next segment, media consumption. This is movies or TV, video games, music, podcasts, etc., that we use to pass the time between recordings. Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded um, I have been consuming and not an awful lot this week. Uh, I forgot. I still haven't watched Loki. I'll get that out of the way now. Uh, right done. Um, I've been, I've been watching the Olympics, the Olympic game started. Uh, and I'm one of those people who, you know, has for the last four years, hasn't even once uttered the words Taekwondo or, mm. or vaulting or, um, or dressage. But Hey, if it's on, I'm in, I'm watching it. I'm, I'm suddenly invested in these, uh, fantastic sports of which don't get enough, um focus any other time during the during the uh space between olympics they just seem to come come across every four years and then you hear the stories of with these athletes who have spent the last four years waking up at 4 a.m just for this moment and you think these guys get paid peanuts and then you get a soccer player gets 250 grand a week you know 
where, where where's the uh, where's the fair split in sports people? But um, so I've been watching the Olympics and very much enjoying that. Team GB doing pretty well. Um, uh, I've been listening to the Nightmare on Film Street podcast. They dropped an episode about uh, big bugs. So it was about uh, it was Starship Troopers, mm. quote unquote, versus Eight Legged Freaks. Talking oh. about two films like that. Uh, one film. Very, very good. Still, I still think highly underrated. And of course, I mean Starship Troopers. And yes. one which is a, a barrel load of Z movie fun, but it's still rubbish. Eight Legged Freaks uh, with uh, WCW champion David Arquette. Um, yep. So I've been listening to that. I always enjoy some horror pod. And in terms of films, only two this week, my friend. Other than old, um, I, I, uh, my old man, when I saw him, was watching Master and Commander, the Russell Crowe film, which is or isn't getting a sequel or a prequel talking about films which don't necessarily need one but that is based on a big old series of books so kind of makes more sense if they want to do that um and i know you haven't seen master and commander but the first i wasn't at all interested in seeing it the first time i saw it about five years ago wasn't at all interested i thought this this maritime stuff looked boring not interested in this i really 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 liked it i think master and commander is great um so when it was on again I, i happily sat down and watched it if you I think it's it's one of those films where from the outside it does look like it's going to be slow, boring, you know, no action or, or at least not exciting or intriguing. But no, Master and Commander is very good. And for all the naysayers out there who thinks it will send them to sleep on Twitter, watch it. It's very good. Uh, and I also watched a, a film called A Classic Horror Story on Netflix. It's an Italian horror which came out... Uh, uh, a couple about a week or two ago, and it's been getting fairly decent buzz online. Uh, as I mentioned, it's it's an Italian film. Sadly, I mean, I like to watch my films in their native language of subtitles. Netflix certainly in the UK wouldn't let me do that, so I was watching hmm. it in Italian for about ten minutes, wondering why there were no subtitles, and I realised that I, I had Italian audio and English subtitles, but it just wouldn't compute. It wouldn't. There was just wouldn't work, so I had to go back, put the most horrific English dub on. Um, ah. which which did impact the films a little bit of course it will do because it's not even the fact that the words don't sync up with the mouth it's the voices that they gave them were i don't uh, know yeah. if it was a straight up riff of what they sounded like but it sounded like a few people were just you know you know they're, they're getting laid off. exactly they're getting laid off that day and they're like well just get this done but let's put on a silly voice um but in 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 a nutshell uh a couple of people are strangers uh, are carpooling together. They, they're all going to separate places, but uh, to save uh, money, they've kind of gone online and um, somebody's got a van and is willing to take them. You know, I'll take you there uh, where you want to go. And they end up crashing into a tree. This isn't a spoiler, it's in the synopsis. They crash into a tree and when they awake, they realise that the woods they find themselves in are basically um, akin to uh, something like the 2016 Blair Witch where you're kind of stuck in that wood uh, and there's bad people, there's bad things going on in the woods. So it's called a classic horror story. Um, there is a reason why it's called that. It's not just a silly title. Uh, of course, to say why would be to spoil it, but there are some moments in this uh, where me, a seasoned horror veteran, almost couldn't watch. I was like, oh, God, I can't watch. Wow. Uh, no, it was a couple of moments. It's like, oh, no, that's horrible. But um, it's, it's a decent film. It's a good film. I think the dubs somewhat, uh, dampened it for me but you know I'd, if I had to right now I'd probably give it a very solid seven and a half out of ten if I'd seen it in, in the native Italian maybe I would have thought you know this is this is better because I wouldn't have been so off 
put off by the um by the dub but it looks good visually it's got some good uh with some yucky horror moments in it the characters are fine it's got uh, matilda lutzin who was in who was so good in revenge a couple of years ago um uh, a couple of twists in it which uh, i i didn't didn't see coming but they worked nonetheless so yeah a classic horror story it, it may not be a classic horror movie but it was a pretty good film nonetheless so if you like horror uh, and you've got an hour and a half spare I, I would recommend it, a classic horror story, and go and watch Master and Commander. So, um, unless I think of something, which I usually do ten minutes later, that is me for media yeah. consumption this week. What about yourself, JB man? Uh, before that, I just I had a, one of my graduates actually recommended a classic horror story uh, to me the other day. I've not watched it yet, but now I got two people recommending it that I trust. So I am, it's on my list for sure to check out. It, I'd, I'd recommend that again. It is. <laughs> It takes its tropes and inspirations from other films and also tries to add its own in. Uh, and again, and I know this is really conventional, but it, it, it will live and die by the twist. If you buy the direction it goes in, I think you'll enjoy the film. If you don't, the film's going to suffer. But I, th- I think you'll get something out of it. Well, so for me, I uh, listened to my normal Blank Check podcast. They, they covered Space Jam, A New Legacy. Uh, dude, it's almost a three hour episode because they go real hard on this movie. It's super good episode. Definitely recommend if you're a blank check fan, if you're not, I uh, say, check it out. I'm a, I'm a big fan. Um, uh, I'm going to jump to TV before I get into movies. Um, I finally caught up with Dave so far. Uh, I think it's through episode seven. Um, there was a moment in episode six where I got so like, uh, the anxiety that the show caused me made me turn off the episode. I was like, no, I don't, I don't feel like dealing with this uh, secondhand stress. Um, that's not mine, but I felt for the character. Uh, and then, uh, when I went back to it, I was surprised to find out that he actually navigated this very stressful environment situation way better than I think most TV shows would have. It's one of the things I continually like about the show mm-hmm. is they will do the thing that's kind of tropish, and then, like, have a normal human reaction as opposed to, like, someone stupidly panicking and going for the sitcom reaction, you know? And it yeah. yet still is funny and entertaining. Like, it, it's impressive. I think uh, Dave and Ted Lasso, Lasso are both really good at um, subverting sitcom expectations and still giving you a great sitcom experience at the same time. Um, I, I've watched episode three of White Lotus. That's the HBO series with a bunch of people, but I, I continue to enjoy the show. It is, I don't know where it's going for sure, but it's definitely, uh, it's, it's worth watching so far. Okay. Um, and then I watched all five episodes of uh, Masters of the Universe colon Revelations part one. Um, we are supposed to get part two at some point. That is the Kevin Smith written. Uh, I don't know if he's technically directing because it's animated. Um, but uh, star-studded cast. I don't know if you've looked at the cast for this oh, show. Oh, yeah. It is. I mean, Mark Hamill is Skeletor. Uh, Lena Head- <laughs> Headley is Evil um, Evil Lynn. Uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar is uh, Tila. Um, Griffin Newman, who is of the Blank Check podcast, is yep. Orko, which was my honest to... Him and Kevin Smith were my big draws, and it just so happened there's a lot of other talent behind it. I was a big He-Man fan as a kid. I actually didn't realize how short of a series it was. It was only two years, and it was like I was born and when it started so i was watching reruns apparently on like nick on nickelodeon or whatever as a kid not knowing that i was watching reruns um but i had like tons of he-man figures like i loved he-man and um i even had like a he-man vinyl where like it was like a storybook vinyl where like it would read the story to you kind of thing and i would like sit on my rocking horse and pretend it was my battle cat and like you know (laughs) i have the power like 
I was a huge He-Man fan, um, but I haven't really watched it or anything for a long time. Like, I don't remember. A, I just remember loving it. I don't remember the details or anything like that. So I had nothing attached to it. People are really, uh, there are the critically master of the universe revelations getting tons of praise. It actually reminds me a lot of avatar. It's got like an avatar kind of, um, not James Cameron, but the last airbender kind of a vibe to it. Not, not in style, but just like tone. And, um, I was, I mean, I was enjoying it very much. And I then started seeing all of the, the male hatred, um, being levied at this show because (sighs) it is, it's very modern. It's very updated. Uh, Kevin has always kind of been that progressive storyteller, even when some of his, you know, like in the nineties, he's using terms that now are not acceptable, but he's always been on the, the right side of most issues. Um, you know, his brother is gay. Like that's not me outing anything. This is like, he's mm-hmm. always been very welcoming to all people. He's a, he's a positive uh, person love or hate his work. And I'd like to point out too, as much of as admitted of a Kevin Smith fan as I am, I have criticized a few of his movies um, harshly at that. Like yoga hosers. I wrote a pretty scathing review of, um, I, I think master of the universe is the best thing he's done for a while. Um, like I, I like James on the Bob reboot, but I still, it feels like it still feels like lesser Kevin Smith, especially if you compare it to his early, like clerks and mall rats, um, dogma being i think his his kind of writing masterpiece as far as mm-hmm. not just being you know dick and fart jokes um that's <laughs> in the universe he's got some really good stuff in it i think he i think he does a good job of tying the old stuff and keeping in mind that i'm not super aware of the mythology outside of anything i don't even i wouldn't even argue i remember the mythology i i remember some of the major characters i like things i've seen the really bad live action he-man movie when i was a kid but I've never read the comics or anything like that. I know there's other, like there are people who are definitely more precious about this property than I am. However, those who are like making claims like, why can't it just be He-Man? Blah, blah, blah. Like, yeah, come on. That's uh, gross. These people didn't care a week or two ago, but now from from not talking about He-Man ever and not caring, suddenly women in He-Man. More importantly, a week ago. The show's not even called He-Man. It's called Masters with an S. I want to point that out of the universe. Um, So, yeah, yeah, I I think it's definitely worth watching. It is on Netflix. Um, If you like animated, I think it looks really good, too, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't necessarily think it's perfect either, but I I definitely think it's really, really good. It's very engaging, and I'm excited for part two. I I can't wait to see what the next five. I'm assuming it's going to be five and five. Uh, I can't wait to see what the next five episodes are. Um, Yeah. That said, I've watched a lot of movies, so I'm going to power through some of these. Um, if you want to go back to anyone and ask questions, we can do that, because there's one on here that you've been recommending to me for a while uh, that I can't wait to talk about. Um, but I you finally still. watched Breakfast at Tiffany's, Oh yeah, and I re- really enjoyed that. It, minus, if they could go, I think they should do like a Mickey Rooney edit where they cut him out of the movie, because <laughs> I feel like for the most part, it wouldn't hurt the movie at all. It would just help it, because that definitely brings the movie down a lot, because it is such a racist caricature. Um, it's a shame that it was ever put in the movie to begin with. Uh, to Kill a Mockingbird, hot take, really good movie. Had no idea I was going to enjoy it so much. Um, my Dinner with Andre, man, if you would have told me uh, that I would enjoy a movie of two guys just waxing intellectual for, for two hours as much as I did, I would. Pro- I probably wouldn't have been totally... I like dialogue movies. I still didn't think I was going to be into it as much as I was. More... This movie comes out, I think, 82 or 
81. And Wallace Shawn says, inconceivable in this movie. And I have to know if that's what led to the whole scene in Princess Bride. Because it predates Princess Bride by like five or six years. And he totally... I know that's a word. Like, yeah, Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying... Wallace Shawn is very much known for saying inconceivable multiple times. And then the joke being that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. The fact that he says it in dinner for Andre seems coincidental to me, like too coincidental to not be intentional. Um, I have completed the Paul Thomas Anderson feature filmography. I watched the master and punch drunk love. Those were the last two Paul Thomas Anderson films. I had not seen. Um, both are fantastic. I actually really like punch drunk love a lot. Um, uh, Blank Check is going to be starting the James Cameron series in two episodes. Uh, so I, I watched, uh, not James Cameron, sorry, John Carpenter. Wow. Sorry, oh, John dude. Carpenter. Come they've on. done the James Cameron series, to be fair. They've already done that one. I, um, but uh, Dark Star is John Carpenter's first film. Uh, I was Ooh, able yeah. to watch it on um, Canopy. I had, a, like, it's the li- one of the library services. Uh, it's not, it's not great. Cause it's super low budget, and but man, boom. it's, it's yeah. Oh dude, the beach ball is hilarious. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, it's got carpenter sensibility all throughout it. Right. Like yeah. it's, it's super Ooh, yeah. good. Uh, so I finally watched wait until dark, um, a movie that you've been recommending to me for some time. Uh, Audrey yes. Hepburn, uh, blind playing a blind woman. Um, it, it one, it clearly inspires. I, th- I feel like it inspires the, uh, Fede Alvarez, um, uh, oh, grief. Man, yes, that we have a sequel coming out, which looks bonkers. Mm-hmm. Uh, like he totally missed the point of the first movie. Because <laughs> apparently, <laughs> the blind guy is the protagonist in this movie. Um, but nevertheless, uh, wait until dark. Definitely, I feel like uh, is some inspiration for that because the whole like end sequence, which was much harder for them to shoot at the time, because there's no light for sequences in this movie, and that's how you film stuff. Um, I think Hepburn is really good in it. There's the storytelling is my favorite part though. And Alan Arkin, if I had realized he was going to be playing this kind of over the top villain character, I would have probably watched this a year or two ago. Cause I was just like, what? I was eating that performance up. Uh, really, really enjoyed wait until dark. Um, good to hear, man. Snake eyes, GI yeah. Joe origins. I don't know what you thought about JB said he was going to watch this. I haven't seen this yet. I, I've heard opinions. This is the, the opinion I want to hear. I don't dislike it. I okay. do. I've come to a very strong conclusion that I hate shaky cam action fighting sequences. Um, like if you're going to do a martial art movie, follow in Jackie Chan's directorial style, please. Like let's pull the camera back. Let me see the action. And if you can't, if you're casting people who can't do the action, then cast somebody else because it's, it's not fun to watch where like you're so in close and it's shaky and you can't see anything. And he does, the filmmaker does some weird stuff where we get like these like direct down the barrel of the lens shots of the person attacking. And it's not cool. I don't know what he's going for. I, I, things like that annoyed me more. The general story. I thought Henry uh, Golding was really, really good. He's charming as always. It doesn't really tell an origin story of Snake Eyes to me, though. That's the thing. Like, it, it, yes, the character. We we find out why he has his name. We find out how he meets certain characters, some of which doesn't seem like it would make sense. And then <clears throat> parts of it, though, I'm like, there are big elements to the character of Snake Eyes that are not answered in the movie that is supposedly his origin story. <laughs> Excellent. And 
when when you're you're telling me like well we if you've ever seen anything G.I. Joe with Snake Eyes, he is easily my favorite G.I. Joe character. As a kid I had his action figure. I've always loved Snake Eyes. Um he, I think he was the best part of the first G.I. Joe movie. I still haven't watched all of Retaliation. I, I was I actually watched part of it the other day. I just it's not that good and I just couldn't <laughs> bring myself to sit through. The other one's not that good either, but it was more fun. Um Snake Eyes is the the standout every time. There are elements of his character that are not explored. And simply, if this is his origin, I expect him to have to be, like, trained in the ways of ninjas. And apparently, no, he's just really good at fighting. No explanation needed. Um, We haven't been talking about origin stories explaining too much. Right. Well, then again, if you're going to make it, you know, (laughs) give give me the origin. Um, But it's not – I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's good. It's just somewhere in the middle. Um, It's definitely skippable. I don't know that it does a good job of establishing a franchise I want to watch. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Samara Weaving's in it, um, who I'm a big fan of. It feels like her most phoned-in performance I've seen. Um, And not even that it's bad. It just – I think she's just like, yeah, they didn't give me a whole lot to do, so I'm just going to read the lines and we'll move on. But – and then – uh, because Green Knight comes out this week, um, and I am a big David Lowry fan. I've seen all but now one of his movies. Um, I think Saint Nick is what it's called. It's it, that one's a little harder to get access to because um, it's like a super indie film. Uh, but I, mm-hmm. I love a ghost story. I love Old yeah. Man and the Gun. Um, I, yeah. I really, really like um, Ain't, Ain't the Body Saints. Uh, but I hadn't watched Pete's Dragon, and I, I was not, I don't have any attachment to the original. Uh, I had no desire to see this movie, and I finally was like, you know, I'm going to watch it. Um, and man, uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, but reading reviews afterwards, like, were hitting, like, exactly what it is about Lowry that I love. And it, it's ultimately his sincerity, um, which I think... Uh, Ehrlich's review of Pete Dragon um, was the one that really like it hit hard for me. But Lowry just we were talking about with Shyamalan maybe not expressing his perspective. Lowry knows what he wants to say and is so good at expressing himself. And it's one of the things that I, I really really love about him as a filmmaker. And he's actually been a guest on the Blank Check podcast a few times. And if if you go to those episodes, I just think you can hear the type of person that he is like, he's a film fan for sure. But just, I think he's like a fan of humanity and like mm-hmm. trying to like be the best version of people that we can be. And um, I, I think what the, my favorite surprise of Pete's dragon was that Carl Urban was in it. Cause I think I probably would have watched it way earlier. Had I realized that cause I'm, I'm always on board for Carl Urban. Um, but I love that that character in Pete's dragon is a villain that never feels like a super villain. He doesn't feel like a, like non-human being. He doesn't feel overly evil, nor does he feel evil. He's just an antagonist. He has his own stuff going on. He has his own reasons. He's not malicious. He's not mean spirited, but he is the antagonist. He's the opposition. And I love that about Lowry, that he doesn't make this character feel like you have to hate them. Like you can actually empathize with them and understand where they're coming from and see the good in them. Um, And I think that's, collectively throughout the film and i forgot also that robert redford was in it which is mm-hmm. i think uh, where they first work together before they do old man and the gun i just i am so hyped for lowry um he was already a director i really really resonated with and now after watching pete's dragon he's he's up in my top 10 um highly recommend if you haven't watched any of his work that you check them out i i know some people will not 
click with a ghost story. But man, if that movie clicks for you, it will click for you. Like it's just Damn one of those right. films that when it works, boy, it works. So yeah, I'm here for that. The Green Knight is not being released in the UK. Uh, just for anyone who hasn't seen the news, A24 have pulled it from theatrical release. It's much to the uproar of film fans across the United Kingdom. Yeah. And the, the word is, well, the pretty much the confirmed word is a streaming service, uh, made it, made an offer that A24 couldn't refuse. I made you an offer and I can't refuse. So, um, that was it. They basically said, Hey, you know, that film was going out in the cinema. Here's a ton of money. Put it on TV instead. And they said, yes, that, that would be a great idea. Uh, word on the street is that Netflix are that streaming service, but it's a massive disappointment because, um, it, it, everything about it screams big screen. Plus, it's Dev Patel. He's a br- fabulous British actor. Let's yep. get them on the big screen. It's little mo- things like that which annoy me, but I don't know when it's coming out, but I know it's disappointing a lot of people, me included, because I've been so looking forward to The Green Knight. Yeah, I mean, and it's an Arthurian tale. Like, to not be on the big screen in, in Europe seems weird too, right? Like, Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I will be seeing it Thursday night uh, with some friends. Um and some the their friends who also I play magic and D and D with on occasion, so uh, very excited. In fact, uh, the one of the friends um, has the A twenty four licensed uh, D- Dungeons and Dragons game for the Green Knight that they let uh, they let out last year. Um, so I, I hope at some point after we see the movie, we're going to actually try to do the campaign from that that game. But we're hyped for it, say the least. You lucky guys! <laughs> um, you lucky yeah. lucky guys! <laughs> Uh, that's, that's it for media consumption folks. Um, but to do this show, it requires a level of awesomeness that isn't easy to maintain. We have to actively make sure we're staying bloody awesome from week to week. So Matt, tell me, how are you staying bloody awesome since the last time we recorded? Veggies. Basically I have, um, on my quest to be like Burke in every way possible. Um, I uh, have started a, oh, well, I have embarked upon a healthier eating plan, which involves every now and then eating things which don't have meat in, uh, which in itself isn't a bad thing whatsoever, um, but it's a step uh, in the right direction. Um, I've been looking at these wonderful recipes. I, I remember once before, there's a, there's a vegetarian restaurant about half an hour down the road. Really, really nice. It's absolutely wonderful. It's got like Caribbean dishes, Indian dishes, uh, lots of vegetables, potatoes. Um, it's like Caribbean vegetable casseroles, unreal. It's like rum infused. Oh, so I've been uh, basically, uh, and in a minute, it's kind of also just things like stir fry uh, and things like that. But embracing the idea of uh, realizing that you don't need a big old slab of dead animal, uh, <laughs> which I'm not impartial to, um, on your plate to enjoy your meal. So I am trying my hardest to be like Burke. I'm embracing the veg or embracing the idea that flavor is king. You don't need a bit old, big old bit of meat every time. So uh, veggie is how I'm staying bloody awesome, my friend. There can you, you beat that? Uh, well, yeah, I think I can. Um, so I went fishing. Now, not the type of fishing you might expect. No, no. I caught just one. Big tuna. Um, and that is... <laughs> I haven't seen uh, Big Tuna in person for well over a year and a half because of COVID, and we caught old together. Um, it was the first movie that I've seen with him uh, since one being able to go back to the theater, but also since COVID. Uh, and we couldn't quite remember the last movie we saw together. But uh, listeners, if you're not familiar with Big Tuna, he's a big friend of the show. Um, he he's collab 
we collaborated tons of times. Uh, you know, he, he runs disappointments media. Um, constantly we reference him all the time. Uh, he's a, another film critic, but he's also one of my graduates. Um, and the most following in my footsteps, there's a really good likelihood he'll be teaching film at some point himself. Yes. Um, and, uh, I haven't. He's a, a person in my life who I I, I look to see. I, I enjoy spending time with. And again, he's one of the few people I know in person who is, I would say, even more obsessed with cinema than I am. And um, <laughs> he literally so, breathes film. Yeah, it was nice to finally get to see him again. Um, he was supposed to be joining us for Green Knight, but uh, for good reasons, it looks like that's not going to be able to happen this week. So it was even more important. I thought that for me to stay bloody awesome, that I reference catching the big tuna. You know, re- reeling it in for one, uh, one uh, adventure into the theater once again. Um, You're gonna need a bigger boat. Get him yeah. back. <laughs> gonna need a bigger theater. Um, <laughs> and that's our episode, folks. Uh, we are gonna be back next week with our review of Wait for It, Jungle Cruise. That's right, Ooh. folks. We are taking the ride with The Rock and Emily Blunt in this new uh, Disney. What is the what, Disney? ride it's a ride cinematic yeah, series park. like yeah. it's in, in line with pirates and uh what um tomorrowland which was a beloved classic right everyone saw tomorrowland i never saw tomorrowland. didn't say tomorrowland but you know i like the rock i like emily blunt i love the mummy and this movie has mummy vibes to me uh, i yeah, don't know why my, my problem is it's <laughs> nearly three hours long but Hey, Holy cow! I didn't know that. <laughs> it's about, I believe it's about two hours forty minutes long. Uh, uh, that's what I've heard. Um, so, if that's the case, I really, really hope this film is uh, is unreal for for that amount of time. It is two hours thirty eight minutes long. I can confirm. Oh man! Yeah. Well, sorry. you know, I, I, if it has the mummy vibes, right? Like of this adventure movie, that's a lot of fun. It's got like the old timiness to it too. Which is, I think, part of the reason why it reminds me of the... When I say The Mummy, I'm a, I am referring to the Brendan Fraser, Rachel Weisz film. Um, it, it gives me that kind of excitement about it, you know, because like, it's got the same kind of setup, too, right? Like, it's her, and I think her brother uh, hired The Rock to take them on this expedition. Wow, does that not sound like the setup for The Mummy? Mm-hmm. Um, so, maybe it works, you know? Maybe. I mean, The Rock's no Brendan Fraser. No, not many people are Brendan Fraser. Right, but, you know... I'm I'm excited for it. Let's let's give it. We'll, we'll be back to talk about it next week. Um, in the meantime, you can follow us on social media at Instagram. We are Bloody Awesome Movie Pod, and on Twitter, Matt uh, at Bamp underscore Podcast B A M P underscore Podcast. And we are still on the Facebook. You can search Bloody Awesome Movie Oof. Podcast. I do that out of disrespect to Zuckerberg. Uh, individual Oof. socials. You can follow us individually uh, i'm at burkreviews.com plus burke reviews on all the social platforms including letterbox and matt uh what i watch tonight.co.uk and uh, what i watch tonight across all the socials and indeed letterbox too and if you are enjoying the bloody awesome movie podcast which if you're listening this far in you must be take just a minute and give us that five-star review on whatever podcast catcher you're listening to us on so that other people can find the podcast it really will help us out in the, the most positive way possible. And with that, we encourage you to keep watching movies. And stay bloody awesome.